Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 29th, 2019. You're listening to the greatest poker cast ever invented. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. And Chris, I've got a very sad announcement to make. Oh, no. Um... I've loved doing this show for so many years, and um, so it, it's very tough for me to tell you that this is going to be my last show. Yay! Oh, wait, I I'm am, sad, I'm sad. Oh. <laughs> I, I am, I'm going to win the Powerball jackpot tonight, and Laura and I are going to Italy and never coming back. So um, thanks for the memories, and uh, you can keep the company. Wait, that's all it's going to take is for you to win the Powerball? It's a cinch now. <laughs> But here's the thing. I don't know if I can win the Powerball. Like, I was coming back. I was um, – I'm out here. Actually, we're talking about this minute. I'm at the Annie of Spring Poker Classic out here in Phoenix. And uh, I went off-site for dinner last night, and then I'm like, oh, the Powerball. Yeah. I got to go waste $20. Yeah. And uh, as I'm driving back, and I'm like – because the resort is, like, off on the, on the tribal lands, right? So there's not anything really around here. You can't walk to somewhere to get to – get so. I'm like, I'm sure I'll pass the gas station on the way home. And then I, I missed the turn, and the GPS took me a different way back through, like, God's country. And <laughs> and right before I get to the hotel, there's a gas station. I pull over, yay! I'm like, I would like all your Powerball tickets, please. And he's like, we don't sell Powerball tickets here. I'm like, what? So now i got to remember to go off property again today just to waste 20 bucks. So Oh, man. It's possible that I won't do that, and I'll, I'll be back next week. So. Because it, we'll it. all it'll take is for you to win the Powerball. I mean, you know, I'm I'm willing to chip in, <laughs> get the better odds to miss one week of the show. <laughs> Speaking of that, we're going to be uh, recording two shows today, but the second one we're doing won't be for for a couple of weeks. But it's because you're traveling and everything, and I'm doing things, and we're busy people. Wrap your head around that. So that's like a Matrix kind of podcast recording and we're doing it so early that it guaranteed someone in the poker world dies tomorrow or the world series decides it's going to hold a new series called the universal poker series of poker or i don't know some big news story is going to break because we're taping or whatever recording early something's going to happen tomorrow i know i said taping (laughs) so anyway tell me about the antioch spring poker classic i'm dying to know Yes, so yeah, we're out here at the Gila River Hotels and Casinos, Vaquiva, near Phoenix, and uh, the series will end uh, this weekend with a four-flight, 360-hour main event that will put the winner on the cover of Annie Up, and into the Antioch World Championship, and um, fingers crossed, or I mean, the, the prize pool guarantees 50000 but uh, we're hoping we'll help that uh, we might double that and hit 100000 that'd be fantastic if we yeah, did, so yeah. we'll see what happens, but... If you're in anywhere in the area, come out here because that's uh, it's a great price to, to get on the cover of our magazine and fantastic place to play here. I mean, you know, I realized when I when I pulled up that um, when I made my initial travels through um, Arizona and when you know we're looking at all the rooms that I never right. made it out to Bequiba. 
Uh, I went to Wild House Wild Horse Pass, their sister casino, which will be hosting an event for us in November. Uh, but I didn't make it out here. And um, so very nice. Triple uh, A Four Diamond Resort. Enjoying my room where I'm recording from now. Beautiful shower, by the way. That's like the number one thing in a hotel, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can sleep on a slab at night as long as I got a good shower in the morning. But best shower ever here. But um, but very nice casino. Uh, they have a, a Panda Express, which I've eaten at 20 times a day since I've been here. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Uh, but no, the poker room's really nice. Super comfortable chairs. Um, uh, played a little 4-8, which we'll talk about a little later here. And it was comfortable the entire time. They have the little charging stations there. They're doing everything right here. And they're on the Bravo system. Very beautiful room. Uh, poker room, very beautiful uh, casino with a very beautiful view. I'm looking out at mountains right now talking to you, and I know you're not doing that. No. I got a question for you. Although, you know what's funny is <laughs> it's funny you say that because my wallpaper on my screen is mountains. <laughs> so I am kind of looking at mountains right now. But um, when they say they have charging stations at the table, mm-hmm. it's merely the MP, of the. Uh, the USB, right? But but you have to bring your own cord and stuff. They right. don't have like a little cord that comes out and charges, yeah. right? There, there are rooms I've been in that have those, but the, the, okay. I think they, they got away from them real quickly because they realized how quickly the cables change. Yeah, okay, they change. And how quickly they get bent up and screwed up when yeah. people are jammed okay. in their phones when they're drunk. So Just want to make sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's much cleaner this way, too. I'm like, you know, if you're the type that needs to charge your phone, you're probably carrying a cable with you anyhow, so... That way, it's just, and if you're not that type, then you don't have like the cords dangling in your boy parts while you're trying to check rays in the river. So, <laughs> and when we were out there together, we it was it was a conscious choice not to see that because they were doing something to the poker room when we were there or something. They, well, I think I think to be honest, <clears throat> that could be. Uh, uh, I think when I was going back, I was trying to figure out why, and I think it was because it is a little farther out of the area. Wild Horse Pass is closer to Phoenix proper, right? As, the other casinos around this area so this one's a little bit out there it's not terribly far i mean it's a half an hour into town at most um but um but i think at that time we were talking to folks and they're like because the uh, the management was the same the poker management was the same in both rooms right i was on a wife team at that time so okay. we didn't feel like we had to go to one because i think both of them i think both the husband and wife were at wild horse so we get to meet them so it didn't seem like it was worth the the hour detour um, to see. It. I think that's what it was. But. Yeah, I could have sworn it was something. I knew it was that the wife and husband, but I could have sworn too there was like, well, the other place is getting redone and or something. But yeah, you're right. I remember that part too. Now the the married couple run the room. So okay, cool. We'll keep going. What's yeah. going on? Very happy we made it here now too. And uh, the manager here, who was the manager last year for our event, uh, I got to meet him for the first time now. Uh, Zach Lansing, love the guy, just like full of energy. You see him like you know, because when you do these series, if you're doing it right as a as a poker room manager director. You're here pretty much the entire time during series. I've always never really understood that, but then more I, I've seen it with you know Bend Up at Thunder Valley and some other places we go. It makes sense because you want to be sure that that you're on on site and being seen, right? Yep. And taking care of the promise, but he, he's here all day, almost all night, and uh, just so much enthusiasm. Can you imagine the two of us together? As much enthusiasm as I have, so <laughs> that's very cool. And then the thing that I think is really cool, and I was noticing that because I was, um, you know, I set up my workstation by our big new Annie Poker Tour banner, which is awesome, and um, it's across the room from his office. But uh, his office is in the poker room. Uh, not all poker room managers are there. Sometimes they're down in the hall or somewhere else, right? <clears throat> and his door is always open. And, you know, it's that cliche, my door is always open, but unless your door is actually open, <laughs> it doesn't seem like your door is open. <laughs> um, and his door is actually open, so it, um, I think that's a real inviting way of letting uh, your players know that you're 
interested in and concerned about the uh, I mean interested in the concerns and, and willing to make the um, the room and the tournament series and all that go well. So um, very, very nice to meet him. And I'm not saying that just because he left some really nice gifts in my hotel room when I got here. So. <laughs> Which I get half. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but um, as we mentioned before, it's uh, quite the variety on the schedule out here, and it seems to be working so far. Um, they got more than expected for the horse tournament. Um, <clears throat> I was there this mo- that morning before the horse tournament, and they were taking – that's like he's like you know we've never ran a horse tournament here no one plays horse around here we'll find out tonight whether people play horse and I'm like whoa wow that's pretty bold to put on the schedule right <clears throat> and uh, they ended up with more more than forty which you know um, a lot of our events forty is kind of norm for horse and it's just sad that's the way it is now that yeah. people don't know how to play all those five games right so did all right that the women's event did really well and um, uh, those are, can always be a hit or miss you know we were trying so hard to get more women to play poker. And, um, you know, so women's events have always been kind of a way to get people in there, but sometimes they, they work really well and sometimes they flop. It's just, it's so hard to predict. And this one did well. So very happy for them on that. And then the, uh, team tournament, which was two nights ago, um, was a hit as well too. And very interesting because, you know, Andy up, we used to do our own team tournament and I'm still partial to that structure. I thought that was really cool. I wish it would have taken off, but uh, but there's all kinds of structures for team tournaments out there. There's tag team tournaments, um, all kinds of other things, right? So this one I've never seen before, and I think it's really cool. <clears throat> it might be something we might end up uh, trying to work into the the cruise because I think it, it 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 it's it solved a lot of problems. It's probably not as good as it's not as as fun and layered as what we did uh, with our anti up team tournament, but it 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 hit check all the boxes and it was probably more manageable. So in that sense, it makes it better, I think. But so. Um, your team was you and a partner. So let's say you and I enter. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why we would do that, but you know, I would pick a partner that actually plays. But you we know, did it, it before. Just, we did it before in cash. So just remember that. Sake, sake of argument, let's say you and I enter. Um, so uh, we are competing by ourselves for half of the prize pool. So let's say the prize pool ends up being a thousand dollars, right? Uh, five hundred of it goes to the individual side of the tournament. Five hundred goes to the team side of the tournament. So. We, uh, we play the tournament out like normal. Uh, there's no tagging out. There's none of that stuff, right? We just play it out. Um, ostensibly, we, we're not on the same table until we're forced to. You know, once it gets down to the final table, we have to combine tables, and there's nothing to do about it, right? Um, so it keeps that collusion thing out until the last possible minute. And then you're paid out just like you are in a normal tournament, right, For the, from the individual side. Then after the tournament's over, um, now they, they give you points based on where you, you finish. So if you finish second, you get two points. If you finish 10th, you get 10 points. And they total those up for you and your, your partner. And just like golf, the lowest score wins. And that's how you pay out the second half, the team side of it. Huh. That makes sense? Yeah. So in other words, if your partner gets knocked out early, but you win the tournament, there's still a chance that you can actually win money team side too, just because of the fact that, you know, your number is so low and his number was, or her number, whatever, is kind of rough. And there's still yeah, a chance. That might be, it depends on how early they get knocked out because that would be tough. I'm going to say there's 45 people in the tournament and if your partner goes out first and you win, that's still 46 on your scorecard. Yeah, so yeah. it kind of depends on where everybody else is. But if uh, both of you make decent runs and one of you ends up getting lucky towards the end and winning it, then, yeah, absolutely, you've got a really good chance of not only winning your individual money but also – so it's like the Cassie. NBA. It's like the NBA. You get one good player on a team, and you can pretty much carry yeah. them for a while. It's the yeah. LeBron James uh, poker <laughs> team tournament. 
Um, but when I said it, it, it served its purpose. Um, I was I was in a four eight cash game um, during most of this tournament, um, and, and especially towards the end. <clears throat> and what you want to do with these team tournaments? Really, the goal is to keep two people in your poker room. One's obviously still in the tournament, but when your buddy gets knocked out, it's easy for him to say, "All right, see." Especially if you're local and you got a car, you can just take off, right? Yeah, it's real easy just to like leave the poker room and say, "Hey, good luck. Let me know how it goes." and take off but now you've got a vested interest here so um you've got a vested interest in railing your your friend more than just the normal railing interest you have in a friend right um plus you want to stick around and get paid if you actually get paid on the team side so um so two things i mean one that there there's a lot of uh, rail birds which was good to see anyhow because i think it just adds energy to the poker room when you've got people cheering and um and, and watching the action but then two uh about half the people in my 4a game had been in that tournament and were playing waiting for their partner to get out and that's good for the poker room then because uh, both for the poker room and their and their rake and for the players that want to keep games going and have a lot of games going um so that that, it, that was a smash success for me um and i and i, I think it i uh, the poker manager here agrees with it too that it really worked out exactly the way it should have been. So, what kind of an ass of a partner would leave you if you get, he gets knocked out and there's a chance for you to win money? Even you know what? What is that? Hey, you've got things to do. You know, maybe the the baby's at home. You know, maybe Survivor's on. You don't want to forget to set the DVR. You know, all kinds of things going. Oh on. man, I would never forgive you. We live in a communication heavy world now, where no matter where you are, you know where you are. I mean, my wife has me on this ankle bracelet thing now. I call it have you uh, have you seen this live 360 app no it's an app you can download and then it's meant for families so you can keep track of where your kids are and stuff and you call it up and you see the little picture of your head wherever it is in the world you are oh my god and for driving you can watch it drive it's really kind of cool until a bunch of adults have it and then <laughs> <laughs> Now I'll be like leaving a meeting. I'm like, all right, I'm leaving. I'll meet you at the restaurant. And then 10 minutes later, I'm talking to somebody. You're not leaving. I can tell. I'm like, ooh, ankle bracelet. Ah, the trust factor of a marriage. <laughs> so strong in the long household. <laughs> of course, when you're grueling over Lita Ford and have to cast a Titanic, I think then, yeah, I guess ah, I wouldn't trust you either. One. One. <laughs> One. One. There's only two people in that movie, so. Yeah. That we're well, talking about. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, we're in the world now that you know you, you don't have to be. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, you could be halfway across the world and FaceTime on your phone now. Or something, yeah, so yeah. You don't have to be there, but but it's nice that it does encourage you to stick around and and play or, or rail. Either one's great. Playing is better, but the railing is nice as well too. So cool. Um, so that really did well, I think. So uh, today will be a test. Uh, this morning is um, the triple stud tournament. Um, you don't see that very often anywhere. Um, and then uh, Omaha eat tonight as well too. So you know, but these midweek ones, this is when you put those those events on the midweek because it's just tough to get people out here on the weekends uh, anywhere, any any resort you're at. It's uh, the the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays are the the real difficult days. You know, people come out to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays. But so we'll see how that goes. But very good variety on the schedule here. A um, couple other cool things. Um, uh, Alex Flores, uh, who won last year's main event. Uh, continuing where he left off by winning event number one. So essentially back-to-back, just a year apart. <laughs> That's crazy. 
Um, and then uh, this is one of the, the series where I'm not allowed to play the tournaments here, which obviously is killing me because there's a schedule almost drawn up by me on a napkin. I'm all right. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm happy as a clam. Uh, although I don't actually don't know what that saying means. I, I need to get away from cliches because I've never seen a clam happy because the only clams I've ever seen are um, I've been cooked and I'm throwing them in my stomach. And <laughs> pretty sure that clam's not happy about that, right? But, <laughs> Um, but uh, limit poker rules down here. Um, you know, it took them a long time to get a two one hundred spread going the other night. But I mean, their their bread and butter here is three six and four eight uh, limit hold them full kill, which is even better. Fantastic. So um, I've only got to play one so far. I'm going to play a little, lot more uh, later on this week. Um, but uh, had a very brutal, as I call it, but redeeming first session in uh, that four eight full kill game that I was talking about during the team tournament. And, uh, you know, when you walk away from the table that night and walk back to the hotel room, I was thinking, I'm like, it really reminded me um, why you, one, never leave a game you can beat, and two, never loosen up the chase bad luck. And uh, those have been both bad uh, leaks of my game previously. I haven't been for a while, but, but certainly um, when I was starting out, I was doing that a lot. And I imagine a lot of our listeners probably have that those same problems and leaks in their game as well, too. So um, here's kind of what happened is I literally I looked down the clock before I even wrote this down. Went the first three hours of playing, winning only one small pot. Ugh. And, uh, you know, I flopped something, bet, and then, bam, everybody dropped. I'm like that. So in three hours and, and four eight, even if you're playing kind of tight aggressive like I was, you're going to burn through some chips at that point because, you know, you get six bucks every lap around, um, or likely eight because you're probably going to call when, when seven people were in the pot every time like as it was here. Um, and then you're going to make a couple other bets. So you got to win a pot here. And that's a good thing about limit is once you win a pot, that gets you back for like, that's an hour pretty much. You win one pot that, that keeps you going for an hour. If you, if you're not uh, crazy right. playing. So, so three hours and I looked at it, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe my first session of, of the week and I'm down. And that's, that messes with your psyche too. Right. And yeah. you start off, you, you, you burn through what you thought you were going to bring for the entire trip. Um, so, um, and then, so I was literally down 300 bucks in a 4A game. And um, so I get dealt pocket nines, and I was looking at them, and I'm like, I, I made the call or the raise or whatever I did at the time. And uh, I'm sure I was calling a raise because it was a crazy table. And I told myself, come on, this is my time to flop a set. I hadn't flopped a set all night, three hours. And then the flop comes down, and I see a nine in the window. I'm like, yes! And then it's a nine, queen, nine. I'm like, oh, my God, my flop, flop. <laughs> And uh, got action all the way down, so that was a massive pot. And then uh, they were doing some kind of quads bonus that night, so they brought fifty bucks uh, over to me on top of that. And then from there, I, as I really know, I'm like, it was like cold trickle. Like you know, when we got through the the smoke, and I'm like, I'm out of here, Harry. That was me at that point. <laughs> Things just turned at that point, um, and uh, I went on to uh, claw back to. Um, uh, leave the night down $57. Never more excited in my life to have lost $57. Because <laughs> I was down so much. And then uh, then I get back to like two, I was down maybe like down 180. And I'm like, all right, maybe this is a good rally. It's not going to be better for me. <laughs> then I'm like, I thought I'm getting up. And I'm like, no, the table's good now. Cause, and I'll tell you what, there was, there, one of the things that really threw me off, I've never seen this, it took me a long time to adjust. And, and I'll admit, I don't think I ever adjusted to it. Uh, I had to wait for the guy to leave. Um, the guy who was the button when I was the big blind, every single time straddled. I've never seen a straddle in a limit game before. Jeez. 
And so he always put down eight. He was doing well. He was just cleaning it up at the table, um, playing a wide. I mean, it's really hard to play the player in limit, and he was playing the player. I mean, he turned over some crap cards that hit. Um, so I know some of the hands that he got people to fold, he, he didn't have much, but he had stacks and stacks of chips. But he would um, straddle every time, so that means the action started with the small blind, and then I'm in the big blind now. And normally, when you know, in a limit, you at least to get you, you usually usually get one free look at a flop um, around because you're in the big blind, maybe some big raises, but sometimes you know a lot of hands there's a limp. Or you're closing out the betting at that point, so if you've got a, a decent hand, you might, and there's a lot of money on the table, you're going to put that extra bet in to see the flop. But when you are second to act in this situation, and you've got a straddler there who who very well could raise, you're throwing away almost every big blind there, and that's what was happening. I mean, he just effectively took my one free look away from me every time. Um, now, the smart thing would have been for me to pick up on it and do it myself because no one else was doing it. <laughs> And take that away from somebody else, but uh, but I I just haven't seen it before, so it took me a while to uh, to adjust to it. So, wow. very different. Uh, so eventually, when he left, was right after um, he was the one I got action with on my pocket nine and my quads all the way to the end, and then he left not too long after that. And then the game completely changed at that point. It's amazing how one player can really oh yeah the game right yeah. Um. But looking forward to, the, to a little bit more of that, and I love four, uh, full kill too. I mean, you can go four eight to an eight sixteen. Uh, that's pretty nice too. So, uh, a lot of action out here. So, if folks are around, please come out and see us the rest of the weekend. And you can get more information on this uh, event at antiupmagazine.com slash Gila River, and Gila is with a G. Um, all right, so this one I kind of I giggled when I saw this um, um, posted on Randy of fans page on Facebook. Because uh, it reminded me back to a room in Florida, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And I know you're talking. About, you, I know you know what I'm talking about as well too. But <laughs> hadn't seen this in a while. <clears throat> but uh, David uh, Ormisher on our Annie of Fans page had the line of the month uh, when he posted a screenshot from the South Point Poker Room in Las Vegas, congratulating players on their first 22 player chop in room history. Uh, Ormester said, quote, getting a table to uh, agree on a chop is one thing, but getting 22 poker players to agree on anything is a miracle. Love it. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that. So true, right? Yep. Um, each player got 744 bucks, uh, which was sixth place money. And uh, the South Point uh, posted, uh, join us next Sunday. Maybe they chop it 40 ways, uh, which I'm sure they would happy for that to happen. Um, and I joke a little bit about that, but, uh, you know, off from an operational standpoint, obviously, they get the tournament over that quickly. That's great. Um, but there is a downside to it. So, But we'll talk about the chop here thing first, and <clears throat> and then I'll get into that. So any thoughts on it? Well, that is, to me, that is the record uh, that's ever come across my news feed or my screen or my writers or anything of that when it came to the magazine. I've The most I've seen was 18 players. Uh, twenty-two. That that is a record. I wondered if it was one of those free rolls that they do. You know, South Point always does that. Hey, you qualify for the free roll thing, and then you know you walk in the door, and it's like if we all chopped right now without even playing, we're all going to get like three hundred bucks. You know, so I wondered if it was like they played for a little while and said, "Hey, guys, really, if we chop right now, we all get almost seven hundred and fifty bucks. Then we just go play cash games and stuff." And they just probably circulated it because it's really only two, three tables. So it's not that hard to get them to talk oh, about it's it. Retable, so that's one thing I want to talk about. But go ahead. 
That's why I said it's two or three. So, I mean, I don't know if they played, you know. When, well, they can't play 11-handed. 11 11-handed so. or whatever. But it's getting close to that. You know what I mean? It's getting close to just two tables. But even three, if they're right near each other, seven guys at each table and eight at one. You know, I mean, you could probably circulate that message pretty quickly to those three those three tables. Um, but I just I wasn't sure if it was one of those free rolls. And they said, join us next Sunday. They may chop it 40 ways. So it could be one of those top 40 players from the week qualify for a Five hundred okay. free, five thousand free, or whatever. You know what I mean? That would change some things then, if that's the case. And you're probably you're, you're probably right. That could be it. So, um, I mean, a couple of thoughts I thought is is one. Um, I didn't know it was twenty two. So to me, the first thing I thought of is that's three tables. Yeah. I, I've been in a couple two table chop discussions, which I think is somewhat utter, utterly ridiculous to begin with. And I've seen how hard it is because. You've got one table. You got you always got that one guy that starts a chop sock, right? Yeah. There's only one guy at the table. He's like, anybody interested in chopping? And then you usually have two or three people that kind of like lightly giggle, like <laughs> he's kidding, right? Waiting to see. And then the guy's like, no, I'm serious. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then you usually have one table that's really into it, and and they rally their troops quickly, and then they send an emissary across the sea to the other table to try to negotiate a chop over there, and it almost never happens, right? But now you're talking three tables, so that, I mean, one table has to get it going, and then you have to send somebody to another table to get them going, and then once you slock them down, then go to the other table and get them going, and that is just, that that's amazing. So that's why I was laughing at uh, David's comment there, because, you know, you're right, it's really hard to get two, even two poker players to agree on anything, let alone a chop, and then here they, they, they're able to get three tables of people uh, to do it, which is just amazing. Now, yeah, you're right, if it... If it is a different kind of tournament, you probably go in with that mindset that, uh, you know, hey, we are going to get something right away. I mean, the reason you wouldn't do that right away in a normal tournament is because the house wins right away then, right? Yeah. Because you, you have to you have to knock a couple people out to fade the rake before you actually make any profit. <laughs> and you'd actually lose money, you know, and then you have to knock a couple people out and you'd still be at a break even. So, right. Um, so the fact they got that out. Um, uh, a couple of things. One um, – you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big chop guy, uh, but I mean, I get we knocking into a whole chop strategy here tonight because we've already done that before. But, um, but sixth place money with 22 players left, I'm kind of hard pressed to turn that down. I think. Yeah, that's a huge jump. I mean, I mean, I mean, think about that jump. That's crazy. That's 20. That's 16 spots. You're getting. That's you don't get that ever. Even in chop at the final table, you can only go up so many. You know, yeah, you're never going to get first place money. Table, maybe you're getting maybe three and a half place money, somewhere between third and fourth if you're yeah. at a final table. Um, and I know some people say that's fantastic, I'll jump on it. But um, for most people at the table, that, that's a bad deal. I mean, because you – final tables, you know, the blinds are so high. You know, you got you got some options of, of some people getting knocked out and moving up a little bit more on the, on the pay scale. But if you're sitting in – 18th to 22nd place here your chances of getting all the way to six i don't think so and even if you're the chip leader at that point your chances of staying the chip leader through 22 players not going to happen most often so you know if you can take lock up six place money i think i'm going to have to do that and then you know take that money jump in a cash game go home you know watch game of thrones whatever (laughs) it's hard to do too like you said the the logistics of it because somebody first of all you have to bring it up at your table Get everybody at the table say, yeah, and, and meanwhile, action is still happening at that table. So while someone gets up and walks to the other table to say, hey, guys, now you've got, you know, play going on. Unless they did it in a break. But even in a break, to, to wrangle up 22 guys or people all in one spot. 
and be like, hey, let's take a vote. Everybody want to do it? You know, it's it's not easy. I mean, it, it, you could circulate it while you're playing and not have to get up. You're like, lean back and say, hey, Joe, tell everybody at your table we want to do a chop. See what they say. And then if you say, hey, we're all in. All right, I'll get us the last table. You know, then it kind of works like one of those telephone games. But in this case, wow, that's that's a huge or in the bathroom. Task. Most chop discussions happen in the bathroom on a break. Yeah. <laughs> waiting well, in line to take a leak. And like, 22 hey, people, that's happened? Yeah. And then, then you're focusing on nothing else at that point. So. Man, 22 people. Uh, that's not easy. But from an operational standpoint, last thing I want to mention, I mean, this really reminded me of the old Dania poker room in South Florida. Yeah. Back when we started. Now it's new ownership, new management, everything now. So it's, it's not the same at all in this case. But um, back when we started – 10 years ago, um, a lot of competition in South Florida. Um, the Dania room was the scrappy room. Um, they had to do whatever they could to, to get people in, and um, they couldn't get cash games going at all. So their bed and butter was tournaments, which should be the opposite way. You really want to get cash games to make your money. But And they, they did that once a week. They just they packed the place with like 200 people for a tournament. It was amazing. I always loved going down there for that tournament. And all those tournaments ended in, like, I always thought they were, like, 20-player chops, but you probably have a better memory than me. So maybe they're all always 18, but they're always in double-digit Yeah, chops. yeah. I don't remember it being That's 22, but I don't, I don't remember in 22. I remember 18, I think, was the record. I don't remember it being past 20, but, yeah, you know, probably we've been doing this magazine over a decade now. I can't be held responsible for <laughs> things that happened 10 years ago. You have a better memory than I do. So, but but I do remember like it, it always ended that late. They never played it out. It always you know once they got down to two, it, it probably was eighteen because then once they got the two down two tables, I think that's when people started yeah. talking. So, yeah. um, so they got known for that, which is great as a player. If you know, hey, uh, I can go and it's only like a twenty dollar tournament. I think they did some rebuys and some add ons and stuff, so the price pool got up there. But it, it was a pretty cheap tournament. But you go there for two hours, you knock out eighty percent of the field, and then you're done. You know, it was going to end up shop, and you got yeah. money, in, and, you, and, you, and you got home before um, the Powerball numbers were drawn. So um, so that's great as a player, but, you know, I think from an operational standpoint, it wasn't great for Dania. Now, again, they were in a weird spot then where they're just happy to have business at all. But it, it's easy to get into a reputation of being a chop house. Yeah, chop house. That is in, uh, you know, Friday Night Lights, you know, we're trying <laughs> boosting cars, but I'm like – a place where the tournaments always end with this ridiculous number of players. Because um, then you start to, over time, you start to lose some players. There's some players that love this, would would love to chop 18 every tournament. But for the most part, I don't think players want to. So, you know, you start to get that reputation after a while, then it's tough to shake it. So yeah. it is a downside. But, you know, obviously, if you're running a tournament, you know, if you can get everybody out of your room quickly... <laughs> Now your dealers are freed up to do cash or something else. So yeah, exactly. And if those players get knocked out and they they're happy with eight eighteen players with money, you know, I mean, in this case, twenty two players with money, they're not leaving. You know, so more people with money, more people stick around, more cash games, more rake. So, all right, any updates? Here's where the Antioch Poker Tour is going next: the Antioch World Championship and Antioch NorCal Classic at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, July sixth to twenty eighth, Atlantis Casino Resort Spa. In Reno, Nevada, August 15th to the 25th, and Wild Horse Pass Hotel and Casino, also near Phoenix, uh, November 11th and to the 16th. Join our Antioch Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call-to-floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for Antioch Fans. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcastinantiochmagazine.com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with call-to-floor and hand of the week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a setup of J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Antioch Poker Cruises, 
available at ClassicPlayingCards.com. Comes from Michael Hensmule. He says, I played in a buddy's home game. He enjoys poker but rarely gets to play and almost never plays in a casino. The first thing I noticed when I arrived was that they were playing counterclockwise. I've never played a card game in my life where the action was counterclockwise. That being said, the buying was only 10 bucks, so I jumped in. The second thing I noticed was that they were playing a cash game, but I was given $20,000 in chips. Uh, it seemed odd to me that the denominations did not resp- correspond to $10. After playing for about a half an hour, they raised the blinds. <laughs> it turned into a weird hybrid between cash and tourney. When we were done, you were paid like a cash game. The players were predictably bad, but everyone was having a good time, so I just went with it. I didn't feel the need to correct anything uh, they were doing because my risk was low, 10 bucks, and it was clearly a friendly game. Unless my buddy asks for feedback, I'll just leave it alone and play in the future, knowing that literally anything might happen. Yeah, I mean, unless unless something happens in that game that literally changes the the actual rules of the game or something where it could actually hurt you. So, like, uh, a straight now beats a flush or something, and they haven't removed any cards or anything, then I, I wouldn't say anything. I mean, you're, you're clearly playing in a game where you can make money and have fun. So who cares? As long as everything is legitimate as far as when they cash you out, those chips equal the amount of money that they're supposed to equal and whatever, and and you're having fun with your friend, and who cares? Somebody will say something to him someday about the way it's going counterclockwise and it shouldn't be or whatever. Um, but other than that, who cares, man? Have fun and make money. Yeah, the funny thing about this is when uh, Michael sent the email, it, it literally was, I played in a buddy's home game, he enjoys poker, but rarely gets to play and almost never plays in a casino. That was, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So, oh, I saw that too. I, I saw that too. I thought maybe something was wrong with my email or something. So when I saw you had it, I thought maybe I just – I thought the same thing. I'm like, what? what is he telling me? <laughs> they never... it, it was an odd email because Michael's emailed us before and it, he's, it's never been a one-sentence thing. I mean there's other people that will send us a one-sentence thing like that and have to guess what's going on. But I'm like, all right, I'll guess. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I gave him two answers based on what I thought he asked. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that it went that way. And they sent the whole thing. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, so in general, I mean, I think you're right, and, and, and Michael answered his own question there at the end. You know, obviously this game has so many things going on it that are out of the norm that um, to try to get them to do a normal game, you're reinventing everything, right? So this is not the the best place to to do that. And um, and as you mentioned, it's ten bucks. You know, you go and you put ten bucks down, and that's the hand of blackjack. So you know, if you end up walking that way with some money, great. If not, then you have some fun. Um, I'd almost pay ten bucks just to watch this thing. It was crazy, right? Um, but you know, I did tell him, I'm like, I don't know how close you are to this guy, but you know, offline, maybe if you catch him at a bar later on for a beer or whenever see him around town, um, we could casually ask, you know, like, hey, I've just never seen a game that way. Can I, I'm just curious how you guys started playing that way, in a non-threatening way like that, and get him to open up about it. Because, and it, it's not so much trying to tell him that they're doing it wrong or trying to help him, but I'm actually honestly curious how this happens, right? Yeah. You know, counterclockwise, and then somebody had to sit down and figure out why $10 equated to 20K in chips, and then how they cash it out and all that. I I, I can't even imagine what that is, right? So yeah. I, I, super morbid curiosity for me on how this happened. That's the reason I'd ask. And then, too, if it opens up a conversation by, like, you know, hey, why? Is this not how you've seen other games? And then you can explain it and then – you know, maybe they want to do that or not. I doubt they do. It seems um, that they're having fun with this, but 
be very interesting. And but but if you're the type that uh, doesn't see it that way, doesn't see this as being fun, this is definitely a game to walk away from and not try to correct. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not going to get anywhere. I mean, if there's like one weird thing going on in the game and everything else is done normal, then yeah, it's probably worth at that point speaking up and saying, "Hey guys, uh, this one thing is out of the norm. Can we fix it?" But this one, this is a whole hot mess of stuff. Here. <laughs> I would just leave it alone and cash your, you know, cash your chips in and go to the bank. I mean, I mean, sometimes it's tough to play these games. Sometimes you know, guys just don't know what they're doing and. And, uh, you know, you get sucked out on or you can't make moves that you normally would make against players who are thinking players. But for the most part, you should be cleaning up in this game. So I keep my mouth shut. If somebody yeah, else speaks up and you want to you want to confirm with right. them, that's fine. But other than that, I'd be quiet. The only re- weird thing I really want to know, though, is how they end. I mean, is it on a fixed time? Like we start at 8 and we finish at 11? Yeah. Because if not, I don't know how this, this, this hybrid thing works. The hybrid thing only works if there's, like, some kind of – trigger involved i think you know what i mean i'm like yeah i mean how do you cash out if you want to leave early and you raise the blinds at some other point it is and then you just like like in our our home game like hey let's play one more hand and go home okay great you know it it, it wasn't a fixed time it's just hey we're all feeling done now that doesn't work for me i don't think i mean again for 10 bucks it does but um, I think there would have to be some sort of hey, we're playing for three hours, and at the end, then you cash out your ships proportional. That that makes sense to me. But if you just up in the middle of eleven forty-five, okay, it's gonna be a tough uh, early morning for me tomorrow. All right, one more round, you guys are all out of here. That that messes up the whole numbers in it. I think for me. But, yeah, I don't know. Hey, hey are we, Michael, are, are we doing the call to four this week? Uh yeah okay because I didn't know if uh, we were waiting on Elliot to answer this or no I remember so. I sent you a second email right after it that said um the reason I had it on there and then I realized we I didn't send it to Elliot there wasn't a reason to uh, so. okay I don't think I got that email so that's why I'm gonna ask so it's call the four so you find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room your home game you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been email us at podcast at andyupmagazine dot com we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker Elliot Checkter tell you how you would have ruled except this week uh it comes from Byron Dendramond. I love how you give me all these difficult names this week. Yeah, one of the better names in any of history. <laughs> this situation caused some disagreement. We decided to let you guys settle it. We are playing at our regular 25-cent, 50-cent, no-limit hold'em home game. There are six players. None of us are pros by any means, but some of us are decent players. There is around 28 Skittles in the pot. The turn has left the board king, six, king, king, and I am heads up with the big blind, and I hold queen, queen. The big blind has been playing about a year and is improving, but right now his game isn't great. He bets 20 skittles, and I look down to make sure my queens haven't suddenly changed. And when I look back up, he has turned his cards face up. Ace Jack. I tell him, I'm not going to raise you, even though I now know I have the best hand. I'll call. There are some players who felt I was required to raise, otherwise it was collusion. I don't want to hear that word anymore. (laughs) <laughs> How would a casino have handled such a situation, and do you think that should be true in a home setting? If I had raised, I probably would have taken the 80 or 90 Skittles he had behind, but it may have turned him off to the game altogether. I feel the most. Uh, I feel that some sportsmanship is required in these instances. Well, Byron, you are completely exonerated. Yes. Completely exonerated, I mean, not yes. completely exonerated. But. <laughs> uh, but first of all, yeah, I think it, his name, isn't that... It sounds like he's like a European duke or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Lord, the duke Lord, of Byron Lord Byron <laughs> <laughs> Uh No, so 
you know, this is a classic home game situation, I think. So um, I, I think Byron did the right thing here for the health and the future of the game. You know, you get a, a player that's inexperienced, um, made a, a, a simple mistake. He didn't turn his cards face up for any other reason. He, for whatever reason, thought action was done. And, um, which, you know, the more I think about it, it's on turning out the river, but whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, so this was an opportunity where you either have to decide poker is a blood sport or this is a friendly home game. And Byron made the decision this is a friendly home game and verbalized it rather than being quiet about it. And, um, you know, I, I followed up with him a couple of emails and, and no one was truly upset about this, but, you know, some players didn't mention it. So that's why um, he, he sent it to us. So um, now <clears throat> you can make the case the opposite way um, that you absolutely needed to here. But the one thing I wanted to mention, we didn't send it to Elliot. So you know, maybe if he's listening, he has a different take on this, but I don't think so. You know, when they talk about casinos where you have to bet, uh, I think you're getting confused with having the nuts at the end. You have the nuts at the end in a casino you have to bet. Yeah. Because your hand no hand can beat you. Here, he didn't he doesn't have the nuts. He has the best hand and and because the other player exposed his hands, we knows that um he has the best hand. But that's not the nuts. So that's a different whole different ball of wax, I think. So um I I would be hard pressed to imagine if this situation happened at a casino that you get a penalty again it had to be a tournament not a cash game right uh you'd, you'd get a penalty for not raising at that point um because it's not the nuts you know but i am a little con- confused a little bit because if it is just the turn and by calling that means there's another river now there's still going to be a river and you could have lost a king could have come or an ace could have come and you still could have lost the hand so there's no reason to raise at all anyway so they can't say it's collusion. They can't say he was required to raise because his hand was better. It's only better now. On the it's river, true. you still could lose. So why shove it all in there and then have him call, then say, I got his jack, and then you're like, well, the only way it could be is if it was you know, a blank on the river. So at this point, you are definitely not obligated to raise uh, because there's another card to come and you could lose. That's a very good point, yep. So at that point, yeah, tell all your friends they've made a, a big mistake in pressuring you into having to bet or wanting you to bet because that's not the case, especially here. On the river, yeah, it's, it's, it's a harder argument to, to, you know, but even if you did raise, you could show your queens so you wouldn't feel if – you, if you want the same outcome where you're like, hey, I know I have you beat. Um, but it wouldn't be the same <clears> – <throat> I mean, I, I guess what you're saying, you're exposing your hand as well, too, now. So now right, right. You, you've done the right thing you've raised. But I don't know if that changes anything. Because now, I mean, I think that the question that – and it's a fair question for the players to to, to make is, you know, because it's like collusion. So, you know, if you don't raise, you're soft playing there. If you raise, but then you show that you've got the best hand, that, does that change anything? I mean, mechanically no, – you're, you're still soft playing. I'm just saying you get a better – so from the point that Byron wants, the outcome that he wants, where this kid doesn't get frustrated and doesn't and quits. Okay, you're right. That's it, the thing slightly, I'm saying. It's a slightly better yeah, solution. It's a slightly better solution at the river. At the river, and the turn, you definitely do not have to do anything except call. Um, and even that, you don't have to call either. You can say you got a feeling a king or ace is coming, you know. But obviously, you're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't. I would not feel obligated to raise here. Um, you could raise just because you know you have the best hand, but that doesn't keep people from calling you. You know. 
Uh, so what about this like fourth level thinking? Because it's on the turn right, which we've established. So what if you, if you're Byron, you do nothing, you just call because you don't want to take advantage of this this player who exposed his hand, and then the ace does come on the river. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, now you're you're like, there's no way this guy thinks the only way he's going to fold you is if you think you have a king, and the amount of money that's in that pot now, even if you do bet. Yeah, yeah, so are you willing to sacrifice that pot by not betting because that that's what you're trying to do now. You're trying to, to give the guy a bone for making a mistake. Now yeah. you're going to lose a pot. Yeah. Or now do you raise and then you, now you got to figure out whether you're going to raise enough to get him off the hand. And so you, you might be losing more money. Wow, that's a tough spot to be in at that point. Yeah. And I don't see how he said I could have taken his last 80 or 90 Skittles if I had raised. I don't know if this guy actually – would call if he, I mean, if he's playing for over a year, he's got to look at that board and go, oh man, you know what? I don't even have a full house. I don't even have the king. This guy either has a king or a full house. Why, why did I bet out? Why, you know, and then he realized, anybody who calls 90 with just ace jack there is, yeah, is yeah, that's bad. doesn't, des- yeah. doesn't deserve a description he was given. You know what I mean? He's, he's improving. You know, he's been playing for about a year. If he doesn't know after a year that ace jack is absolutely ace high right now and not anything and an improving player, then, you know, I, I don't see how he gets your 80, 90 Skittles. If he does, then he's not that good. Um, and I want him in my home game. Send him along. <laughs> All right. Uh, we get to complete O'Malley's move today, our special long show. So here comes part one, and then uh, we'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing $1, $2, PLO in our regular home game. The action has been as usual. Some good PLO players, some converted Hold'em players. We know these players well. The game is seven-handed. The blinds post, and we are under the gun with 375 and the King of Spades, Queen of Diamonds, Queen of Clubs, Jack of Diamonds. We are going to make our standard raise to $6. The MP and hijack fold, but the cutoff calls. The button who is a solid PLO player, bumps it up to $20. He started the hand with $500. The blinds fold. We call, as does the cutoff. The pot is at $63, and the flop is the king of diamonds, jack of spades, ten of hearts. We flopped top two pair on a very straightening board. We're going to check here to see what transpires behind us. The cutoff checks, but the button makes a pot-sized bet. This might be my first mistake in the hand, but we make the call. The cutoff folds. The pot is now at 189, and the turn is the nine of diamonds. We've made a king high straight with a redraw to the second nut flush or a straight flush, but that's still a lot of second best hands. We again check. The button again bets pot, 189. So, we've got a little bit of a decision here. We have 292 left with the second nut hand. What's the move? Yeah, it definitely seems like we're staring down Broadway here, but we have two redraws that are that very likely could be good against a lone opponent, so I'm calling. You know, I just don't like this spot. You know, we have a redraw to one nut hand, and it's a one-outer. The other redraw is likely a tie, uh, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. I hate having second-best hands in this game, so I, I just don't like it. I don't feel like there's enough reason, and then one of the reasons is a tie, so I'm folding. All right, here comes part two. Hello again. I think I've learned my lesson. I just don't like feeling that we could be drawing nearly dead here. We have six nut outs, the four aces, 
the Ten of Diamonds, and the two remaining kings. I don't like those odds. We fold. Our opponent checks his cards and flashes us the Ace of Diamonds. Maybe he had it. Maybe he was just blocking. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, hopefully I've learned this lesson. Don't play second nut hands in PLO. I hope to see you on the felt. All right, well, I agree with my partner in O'Malley's sage advice to not play second nut hands. That advice is vital in multi-way pots where the chances are higher that uh, that you're staring down the nuts every hand. When you get heads up, I think you're playing too tight if you fold every non-nut hand. Here, yes, he could have had the nut flush, or he could have had Broadway the nut flush blocker, or he could have had a lot of other hands that we had beat uh, our solid redraws to. Uh, I don't mind the fold, which might have been correct, uh, but I'm not sold on the reasoning. You can always tell when Scott makes a decision that's against the majority. He rationalizes way too much. <laughs> it's a good fold. Leave it at that. You don't know it's a good fold. <laughs> it's a good fold. He showed the eights of diamonds. Let it go. You don't know it's a good fold. <laughs> You're rationalizing your fold. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for the VansPokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Our uh, Maryland ambassador... Northeast. He's northeast. He's the whole northeast, baby. He's the whole northeast. That's why I had to pause and remember if he was doing the whole northeast. Well, he's not. He's well, he's not really. I mean, we have someone doing northeast. I mean, we have someone doing like Connecticut, but he's got all the way up to uh, Jersey now. So he's all the way from basically Virginia to Jersey. He's a big boy now. Big boy. All right. <laughs> uh, he's playing at MGM National Harbor in his uh, his designated anti up area. And hey, one three no limit hold'em cash game. This is the full table, and I'm on the big blind with $350. Uh, the middle position uh, player uh, makes it 10. Uh, we get three calls, and uh, the small blind folds, and it's on us again in the big blind with the ace of hearts, queen of hearts. Well, I like that hand. Um, if it was old school, I would probably be cautious, but in these types of games, that could be the best hand already. Um, I don't mind raising. I just hate knowing that no matter who it is, I'm out of position because a small blind is out of this hand, uh, which I hate. Now, if it's a type of table where I could raise and take it, I might go a little bloated with my raise and just be happy with an ace queen that took down 40 bucks um, preflop without any fight. Uh, if it's a type of table where I know I'm going to get a caller no matter what I do, um, but it might be just one caller, then I'll make it a decent raise. Like, let's see, we normally I would raise in a one three to like ten to fifteen anyway, and then I've got all these callers uh, out of the ten dollar raise. So ten, twenty, thirty, forty already's in the pot. So I don't know. I think I would make it a good raise, like forty bucks or something, um, huh. and hope I get one person if I'm going to raise. I, I don't like to just limp here with this hand uh, because while It'd be great to hit your hand hard if you're not forcing out hands like King Queen or King Jack. You know, if you hit your hand hard, then they're going to also have Broadway straight draws, things like that. Or so I really want to make sure that I'm I'm heads up with somebody if I can, and because I'm going to be out of position. But I'd like to take it down now while I can too. So if I could, if I could take it down with like a fifty dollar bet, I would. If if I'm going to get one player with like a thirty or forty dollar bet. And I would do that too. So maybe raise to like forty. There's a lot of ten ten dollar bets are in there already, you know. So if you were going to make it say fifteen, without anybody in the pot yet, then you always add what they 
put in there. So ten dollars in there, ten, twenty, thirty, forty. You know, you add that to your bet. Forty-five dollar bet would be basically what you would do. So I don't have a problem with a forty dollar raise here. No, I think if you're going to raise, it has to be in that neighborhood. It, it can't be anything less than that. I yeah, mean, I think going to probably minimum fifty, making it fifty to go at that point. Yeah, because again. Um, at the very least, you want to thin the field, um, and I would argue, best case, you want to just want to take it down, pick up an easy fifty bucks here, that gets you twenty more hands or fifteen more hands, uh, seventeen more hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, now, and that's probably the proper way to do. But I, I again, I'm always gonna shy on ace queen. I don't like to re-raise with it. Um, I generally don't like, don't like to call with it either when it's been raised. I like to get rid of it at that point because it's just a tough hand to play. And we are out of position here. The only reason I'm going to chuck in the extra 10 bucks here is because so many people are in, and I'm very disciplined with my ace-queen. It I will have to hit it hard. It has to be two pair or better. It can't be queen high. It's, at that point, I'm going to be very cautious. But if I get two pair, if I get a, a good Broadway draw or a good flush draw, then, um, then I'll stick with this hand depending on what happens. But... Um, anything less than that, I'm going to be very cautious. But yeah, yeah. for me, at this point, with this many people in, it's worth it's worth the $10 flyer. But uh, I would admit the proper way is probably to pick a raise to 50 and thin the field and take control of this hand and be yeah, strong. I mean, yeah, because you're looking to get out the set miners here, too. The guys who are just like, hey, I'll call 10 with 4-4. Right. You right. know, you're looking for somebody to, to really have to have a decent hand to play against you. Now, they may be just calling in position because they've watched you play all night and – you clearly, when you miss a flop, still bet it, and then he can float you and raise you and just steal your money playing the player. But if you if you take command of this hand and bet it strongly, you know you should probably take this down. It's just whether or not the flop agrees with you and, and the board. Well, yeah, and that's the interesting thing about how I would play it and my how I would do it in the flop is I'm not worried about set miners at that point because other than two pair, which that that would be dangerous. But if I'm playing for a flop or a straight here, then I want the set miners to come along. You know, because uh, you're gonna get even more of their money. So, but that's only if you're disciplined enough to get away from it. You, you know? said playing for a flop, but I think you meant flush. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if yeah. I'm playing for a flop or a straight, I'm like, well, we're always playing for I a really flop. I really hope I do some flop. All right, our hero raises to 25. I think we can agree a little too small there, Mike. You're not, you're not the big boy that Chris made you out to be. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Um, the middle, uh, the initial razor calls, as does the button. So we're three-handed to a flop. Uh, ace of clubs, queen of diamonds, eight of hearts, and we're first act. Yeah, that's a nice flop. Um, obviously, uh, hands like uh, jack ten and king jack are probably going to stick around for any decent bet. But if you make it big enough, you probably get those hands out. So really, the only hands we're really worried about now are pocket eights but really i don't think there's any more hands than that i mean m- maybe the case queens are in here somewhere but i find it hard to believe that anybody who has pocket queens who had raised preflop or just called that raise would not now come alive because they're thinking you aren't gonna be able to get rid of your your hand i i just don't see anybody beating us at this point unless it's pocket eights so i'm free to bet um there was probably uh oh, 75 probably 100 bucks in the pot so I would probably make a nice, decent-sized bet here, like uh, 75 or something. Yeah, I think I'm going at least 60 here. There's uh, about about 100 bucks in the pot, so I want to bet at least half the pot. Uh, I might put a little bit more on there just because um, 
I just I, again I don't like the ace queen. So we, we did flop what we wanted to. So and you're right. I think really the only hand we're up against that has to be the eight. So and we'll find that out pretty quickly. Uh, all right, our hero says on first act. I'm not one to build a pot and would be happy to take down this squiggly $100 pot now and make it 50 to go. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's probably close to strong enough. Uh, you know, half the pot, maybe a little more than half the pot. That's but it. You know, there are some players in these games, especially if they have a decent stack, who you know might call you with a draw or something. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough to it's tough to make a call here. You're hoping somebody has ace eight. You know, that's what you're hoping for. Um, uh, and so, you know, I guess that's a good that's a good enough bet. I, I would probably bet a little more, but that's probably good enough. Well, yeah, and I think another one. I mean, not trying to drill down to a specific hand, but uh, Jack Ten's a very po- possible hand here. And that's actually open ended right now. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I, I want to kind of price that out. So you know, I think a sixty gets close to that. Seventy five definitely would have, but fifty doesn't. So, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the middle position player calls the button folds, so we're heads up now. And he says, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking uh, the remaining player has trip eights, uh, but I have a top two pair, and I'm the fish on. Uh, oh. But I have top two pair, and I'm, and I'm the fish on the hook. Okay. Uh, the turn is the four of spades. So our board now is ace of clubs, queen of diamonds, eight of hearts, four of spades. And we are first act. Okay, well, we're not worried about a flush getting there and beating us, sucking out. So that's good news. We're not really worried about a wheel or pocket four. So that's good news. But if you feel like this person may have trip eights, you could always just check now. And because you're not really worried about any draws getting there at this point, I, I think at this point, other than Jack Ten, yeah, maybe Jack Ten you got to protect against yeah, still. Jack Ten you got to worry about. Yeah, he bet he called fifty. So ah, jeez. All right, then you got to protect your hand, I guess. Um, well, here's the thing: if we bet now and get raised, that that's our trigger that we're up against a set of, a set of eights. Yeah, I think, or at least that I shouldn't say we are up against, but that is much more plausible. Yeah. Um, oh man. He's king. We could be up against some other kind of hand like that, but um, they may not be raising. But if we don't bet here, now we let, we give up control of the hand, and we don't know where we are at that point. So the only thing I can see is ace eight. You know, the person said, "Hey, I don't let this guy bet for me," um, and if they raise us now, it could be ace eight um, because yeah. that's a hand that's some ace of spades, eight yeah, of spades. I'm saying. There are a couple other. I mean, yeah. it could be. He could raise us there with Ace King. I probably wouldn't, but you know, um, there are some hands that that would raise us there that we have beat. Um, but I'd, I'd rather like to know. I'd, re- I'd rather know now than on the river where we are. Yeah, have a better idea. So I think I, I think I still have to bet here. So, uh, how much is in the pot? About two hundred. So, so I don't know, hundred, hundred maybe, hundred and ten, hundred twenty. Nice easy stack. Yeah. All right, that's what our hero does, and our opponent raises us um, another 300, putting us all in. Wow. Wow. Well, we started with, what, about 350, I guess, and we put in 25, and then 50, so 75, so 175, so we basically have 175, and then we bet 100, right? Yeah. Uh, we put one seventy five. Yeah, so we have one seventy five left, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Oof. Well, if you really think, if you're positive that you're beat, there's no way I don't think you can be positive you're beat. 
I just don't. I think there are too many hands that could do this. Yeah, you know? and here's the thing: is even we're not dead to those that set of eights either. So. Right, we could still hit. So. I think that's the deciding factor for me. I, 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 I'm not going to be pushed off this hand. I don't think. I yeah. Got yeah. For 175, after there's so much in the middle, and you have two pair, you have top two pair, you have redraw to the biggest boat out there. Um, so even if he does have the eights, you know, uh, you have four outs, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, because two pairs, so four outs, two aces, two queens. Uh, and it's, it's likely those cards are out there because anybody those other hands probably would have come around. Yes, exactly. For another fifteen dollars preflop. Yep. So you might have those four outs as backup, um, but this guy could easily have ace king or ace eight. Um, so, or he could just be playing you, thinking that you're, you know, he's waiting for you to to whatever. But you probably would have checked the turn had you had nothing. So, uh, it's likely he has those eights or ace eight. I'm gonna put him on something like that, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna say he has ace eight, um, and maybe a set of eights. Well, I'm gonna take the jack ten out of it now. So yeah, uh, this is definitely a, a made hand here. Um, so. He got the same hand too. He got the same hand. He could have ace could have the same hand as well too. Yeah, like I said, I mean, if the if the hand that we were most worried about, which is um, a set of eights here, uh, has his dead to the river, that's a different story. But it doesn't have his dead, so. You know, this is kind of where you kind of like the fact that you know the monster on the bed. You can still club right so <laughs> if it's not then then you start getting a little worried and you start talking yourself into it but there there's no hand out there that we well i mean i guess if we're because i sneakily played set of aces or queens that that we're dead to but um that just doesn't seem right so right and an ace would still beat the queens so um there's a chance that I mean, there's a chance that we... There are a lot of hands that we can tie or beat here, so... It's really one hand we're worried about, and it's hard to fold to exactly one hand unless it's, like, your entire tournament of your life, you know, on the line. Um, So, yeah, I would would probably make this call. I don't think I'm getting pushed off this hand. All right. Let's see. Here it says, I mini-tank. Those eight seem uh, the most likely now, but I have too much ego, and I call shove. I don't think it's ego. I mean, it's what we just mentioned. I'm like... You know, there's a lot of hands that they could be doing that that you can get, and you can you can redraw to those eights. So yeah. All right, our turn over our ace queen, and he turns over pocket eights just as I suspected. The river is the ace of diamonds. Filling yeah. up ace of the I take down a seven hundred dollar plus pot. At which point, someone yells out, "We're going to need a bigger boat." <laughs> uh, but no, that's exactly what we thought could happen there. So yeah, I mean, it went it went the way we were hoping. And uh, well, hoping that we didn't have pockets. I mean, on the river, yeah, we were hoping on the yeah, river that we, if no matter what, that. we would still beat them. Um, but uh, wow, this is an obvious brag email. <laughs> I'm editing the show. I'm taking it out. There's no reason to run this. I, I think it's a sheepish brag email. <laughs> sheepish like, brag. I think he, he really realizes he made a mistake and then got lucky kind of email. So, but I don't think he did. I'm like again. I think you need to look at that in the sense that do I do I have outs and do I have real outs? Am, am I just making up outs or do I have real outs? And <laughs> and you know I think you had the line of the night there when you said that those ace and queens probably were still alive. So, yeah. Yeah. That's one more reason. I mean, I've been trying to talk myself into a call there. You usually try to talk yourself into a fold, but this was a hard one to talk myself into a fold on. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, you're probably going to remember the next time this happens that he actually had the one hand that you thought and probably be a little skittish about it. But um, but I, I think that call there is, is fine. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right, Mike, your deadline's Monday. Don't forget. 
<laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Skylog. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. <laughs>